And welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And this is another patron request. Uh, we're going to be looking at James Bond 007 for the Game Boy. But before we get into that game, Billy, what have you been playing since our last show? Well, 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 I, fucking Final Fantasy fourteen. No big surprise there. Um, I am playing through right now with my, I believe, level, I want to say level 32 fisherman. I'm still, I'm just, I'm still just out there casting it out and, and very little every now and then I have to dip in and actually further the story along, you know, so I can, I can get to different, different areas. Um, that's the only reason I'm touching it. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what the hell's going on. Um, I'm only concerned with what's fucking biting out there. That's about it for me. Uh, that and I, I, uh, I, I can't remember if I was doing this last episode or not, but I start playing Hades again. Um, it's on Xbox now. I have never played it on a TV before. I played it exclusively in handheld mode. Uh, so, that, you know, I've kind of reasoned with myself. It, I, I should play it through again. Uh, so I, I'm officially further along than I've ever been in the Switch version of it. You know, kind of knowing what I was doing going in has, has helped me speed along. Uh, between those two, I mean, what else? What other games are there time for at that point? I, I squeezed this one in. Um, you know, and I, I'd have to stop when the shakes kicked in from not being there <laughs> fucking fishing. Um, but yeah, that, that's been about it for me. And, uh, spoiler, uh, that's probably going to be about it for me the next episode too. Yeah. After talking so much about it, uh, between you two and then other people now on our discord, I uh, have been mentioning playing final fantasy 14 or at least thinking about it. Uh, I almost, I almost logged in. I, I tried to re-download mm. the free like, you can play a bunch of it for free on the PC, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but because I had a, an account before, it's going to make me start completely over with a new account. It won't let me use my old account to get that free time. So I was like, all right, that's that's the world telling me not to do it right now. Uh, but it's also on mm -hmm. sale on the PlayStation 4 for like 24 bucks for everything. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll just play yeah. it on the PS4. I'm sure I'll be in it at some mm -hmm. point. But I've actually been tearing through a bunch of games to finish off. Uh, that I've posted about on Twitter. Uh, on on uh, Twitch, I, I finished Legend of Zelda Link to the Past for the first time <laughs> since yeah. it came out. That was enjoyable, and I've moved on to playing yeah. Abe's Odyssey, a perfect run, uh, trying to get all the Mudokans, and I don't think I'll be able to do so. And I guarantee we get a letter next time because I said that inappropriately, and that's okay. Uh, I also finished Lumo on the Switch. It's not a, a Switch exclusive game. It was on you know, Steam and everywhere else. But uh, on our Discord, one of our, our members, Late to Gaming, was talking about how he, he picked it up and it's a really neat, you know, action um, platformer, but isometric view, which some people love and some people hate. I I want to like them, and I never do, but I actually really did like this one because it is it starts out really easy to where I was like, oh, I'm going to blow through this thing. But by the end, there are some insane levels of platforming where, like, every single platform you're supposed to go on is rotating. You're jumping from rotating platforms to other rotating platforms. And I don't just mean rotating, like, on a flat plane. I mean, like, like if it's a sphere, it's just spinning around different directions and you're trying to figure out which one's the right way while you're trying to move in an isometric angle. So, like, pushing left doesn't go left. Pushing left goes, you know, uh, down and left. And pushing up doesn't go up. Pushing up goes up and left. Like, it, it makes it very difficult to control and do all this platforming while you're also looking at it on that kind of three-quarters angle. But I did finish it. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, finishing it means that I've, I got to an ending. 
But, you know, it's, it's another one of those games where it has a bunch of built-in achievements. And I think I have two out of 50 achievements, even after finishing the game. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that I never saw. Like, there's tapes you can collect, like cassette tapes. And I, and I have six of them. And there's apparently 50. And I don't, it's not like I didn't see some, or I saw some, and I was like, I can't get that. I'll get to it later. I didn't even see the other, you know, 44 tapes. So I clearly have scraped the surface of this game and love to go back to it. But that, that's all I've really been playing. I know that by next time, I will probably be playing uh, either or both of uh, Psychonauts 2 or uh, no, no More Heroes 3 is coming out. Uh, by the time this posts, I think it will be out. And both of those are games I've been waiting years and years for, so I'm very excited to start on those. But I do not have them as of this time. But Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? I've still been playing a lot of Final Fantasy myself, but you know, I'm kind of at the end game of it. There's really no more story quests, so I'm just... I'm living out my uh, retirement life in Final Fantasy right now. I got got myself a nice apartment and decorated it. Got got some nice furniture to go in there, and you know, just kind of wandering around the markets and and just randomly buying stuff. Um, but besides that, I mean, there's really not much to do right now um, until Inwalker comes out in November. I could start raiding, but what's the use? Uh, it, it's really kind of that weird dead time in an MMO. Uh, if it wasn't just just so completely packed <laughs> with World of Warcraft people right now, uh, it's so weird to log in, which should be a dead time for an MMO, and it's just, it's like it's launch day. There's so many goddamn people in that game constantly. Um, but elsewhere, I decided to check out Genshin Impact for some reason. Uh, I don't oh, know man. if either of you have heard of this one. It is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not the game I thought it was going to be. I, that's going to be the theme for this show, I think. Is this is not the game that I thought yeah. it was going to be. Um, I, I, thought it was, very, I thought it was like a like an anime Breath of the Wild, almost. It is. And I was thinking it was more like a live service kind of game, like Destiny, mm-hmm. where you, can, you could still see like other people running around and things like that. It's not that at all. It's like straight up a single player uh, Breath of the Wild, where it's... Uh, you're kind of switching back and forth between four characters constantly. Mm-hmm. Like you'll you'll get a character that's a warrior that's uh, good with water magic, or you'll get uh, a mage that's good with uh, electricity, and she mm-hmm. can do AOE attacks and stuff. And you're just switching back and forth using the D-pad, almost like you did in like Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, so, but it's it's not quite as constant as that. But it is just Breath of the Wild. It's a really well done Breath of the Wild. Uh, the world yeah. is, is cool. Uh, you know, it's it looks amazing, and uh, but it's it's advanced anime, I guess I would say. Uh, if you're looking at Final Fantasy XIV and saying that's that's way too anime for me, I can't handle that. Uh, don't even come <laughs> close to Genshin. Uh, this is one of those animes where everyone looks like uh, they haven't reached the age of fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the girls are dangerously young looking, uh, and they want you to be attracted to them at the same time, mm-hmm. which is weird. And uh, it, there's just way too many uh, of the, that, those bad anime stereotypes that are in here. I actually had to turn down the volume instantly because I could not oh, yeah. <laughs> anyone talking in that game. Even in Japanese, I couldn't fucking deal with it uh, or any language they got. So I think it's actually made in China. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, oh, I, I just couldn't handle it. And I think that's really the biggest barrier for me with that game. It's like I cannot deal with that, that level of anime. Uh, because I kind of feel bad about playing it a lot. Mm. But uh, besides that, uh, you know, it's it's the whole gotcha thing. I have not seen a point yet where I'm like, I need to buy more uh, anime lolly waifus uh, to be in my party. 
I guess, you know, there's a, that's, that's the big thing for a lot of people, and that seems like the main point uh, of that whole gotcha mechanic. But otherwise, like, you can totally just, if, if the anime stuff doesn't bother you, you can just have a, a, a very well-done Breath of the Wild clone with, like, character progression. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty fucking cool. So if you think you can get past that anime barrier, and it is a high anime barrier to get across, I, I think people would actually really like that game if they like Breath of the Wild. Well, a game that does not have a high anime threshold and has nothing to do <laughs> with Breath of the Wild is the game we're going to talk about today, recommended by patron Jarhead9555, James Bond 007 for the Game Boy. Uh, this is the first time we've done one of these requests where the patron was not interested in coming on with me or any of us uh, or even writing a statement. He was just like, no, I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on this game. It's one I had as a kid that I really liked, and I wonder if it holds up today. So it's a very straightforward reason to pick it. Also, I do want to apologize. It's also the first time that we had a request that we thought we were going to be able to do, and we just could not find a way to play it uh, well uh, enough to, to really talk about it. So he, he originally asked us to cover Team Buddies for the PlayStation, a game none of us had really heard of. Apparently, it was much bigger in Europe than here, uh, and we could not find a, a way to play it, uh, legal or otherwise, to, to actually make it work. So we, we had to, to go to his second choice. Hopefully, that does not upset him. But we did say if we ever do figure out how to play it, we will cover it at some point, either as a regular or bonus show. But this is time instead we're going to focus on the uh, James Bond 007 for the Game Boy. I did not know this was published by Nintendo. Uh, it actually is a Nintendo game. It was developed by Sapphire, a company I'd never heard of. And looking at the other games they made before, I don't know how they got the, the, the ability to make this game. They, they did really only a handful of unnotable things beforehand. And then afterwards, they went on to do such major hits as N64's Biofreaks and Rampage World Tour. So they, they aren't a studio that did a lot before hey, or after, hey. but uh, hey. I mean, God, there's nothing wrong with Rampage World Tour. I, I hope you weren't saying that in a disparaging manner. Uh, I, I think Rampage is a really fun game in the arcade with other people, and otherwise it is not. Hmm. All right. Well, that being said, <laughs> we better move on. Um, yeah, this, uh, this obviously was not um, a game I had played. I am not, with the, with the exception, uh, of course, uh, of Goldeneye. On 64, uh, not a James Bond guy in, in video game or film form. Um, I, I've seen them. It's not one of those things I get excited about. Um, I, I don't have any emotional investment in the character or the universe or the, the series of films or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this one may have been out there, but I, I would have just passed this one up and we'll talk about it. Um, I, 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 Definitely assume this was, and this is probably the same for all three of us, uh, a different type of game than what we ended up getting. Yeah, and I, uh, we were talking before the podcast, uh, when the change was made over from Team Buddies to this, uh, you just kind of posted the, the box art for it, and my brain instantly went to uh, 007 Nightfire for the Game Boy Advance, which was uh, a first-person shooter. It was terrible, uh, but, it, you know, it was... A pretty cool thing to see on the Game Boy Advance, and and that's the one I thought we were doing. But then I looked at, it, I was like, they didn't. That, that's for the Game Boy. They didn't make a, a James Bond game for the Game Boy, but apparently they did. This came out, uh, I think, uh, was it '98 on the Game Boy, uh, mm. which is way late 
it, uh, for for something to come out on the Game Boy. This was uh, this yeah. was like Game Boy Color territory at this point. I didn't I didn't know if it's got like a, a certain a special Game Boy Color version of it at that time. But yeah, this was uh, uh, it came out way later than I was looking at anything on the Game Boy. So it was it was a shock uh, to see this one uh, show up for the Game Boy. And also to be the kind of game it is, because it is definitely not what I would think anyone would put out a James <laughs> Bond game <laughs> to be. Yeah, Goldeneye had come out in 1997. So this was kind of the follow-up game for Nintendo. I know it's not on the N64 and it's not the same kind of game, but they were still trying to ride that. Okay, people liked people like 007. Let's see what else we can do with this license. And so they, they put out this Game Boy game that I also expected it to be a completely different kind of game. I didn't expect a first-person shooter knowing that it was on Game Boy, but I did expect that it would be like a straight action game, like a platformer just happened to be with James Bond. You know, something with kind of maybe play like Rolling Thunder. I had no real idea. I'd never played it before. Uh, it is not at all. This game is instead kind of a graphic adventure game. It's got action to it and more than in most graphic adventure games. When I say graphic adventure game, I mean something like like the old King's Quest or Space Quest games where you walk around in areas and you have to use items to solve puzzles. Um, now, it doesn't have the ability to type because it's on a Game Boy. It's all done strictly with, um, you know, putting a uh, setting an, an item to a button and then walking up to a person and hitting that button. But, but it still is it's a lot of puzzle solving. However, unlike a game like, uh, like those, those Sierra Quest games or Monkey Island or things, there's a lot of fighting in this game to the point where by the end of the game, it's mostly fighting and less puzzle solving in some aspects. But there's still a good blend mm -hmm. of those two gameplay styles. It, it's not what I expected at all. But I'm pleasantly surprised by the uh, the adventure parts of it, the, the graphic adventure parts. I love games like this that do that, that have that kind of puzzle solving tech, you know, uh, puzzle solving sections. And there's not a lot of that on Game Boy. So this was this was kind of a, a nice surprise in that in that way. A lot of people were saying this was like a, a Zelda game, and once I started playing, I was like, no, this isn't like Zelda at all. I mean, the only thing that really comes across as Zelda is the way the screen scrolls. Like if you get mm. to the you know top of it, it scrolls with it. Uh, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't play anything like a, a Zelda game would. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would call it more of like an action-adventure game. I, I don't know. It's just such a weird little game to, to be on the Game Boy, yeah. especially for a James Bond game. You know what I kind of, you know, I got, and you don't have to tell me, I got kind of Metal Gear NES vibes from it. Yeah, actually, bit. that's a very uh, good yeah, a little comparison. Bit more, yeah. than, more, more than a Zelda. Yeah. But, but much like Metal Gear on the NES, it has that, that same top-down view like Zelda has, that kind of angled top-down view, but also it has screen by screen. And this does the same thing, but you're right. I think if you compare this to the original Metal Gear, that's a lot closer to really how the whole game operates, but without quite that level of inventory to deal with. And a lot more a lot more threatening, probably the most threatening machete animation I've ever seen. Downright <laughs> frightening. I mean, you take that thing to a man. I, we'll talk about it, I guess, when we get into things. But, but yeah, immediately in this game, um, I... I don't know what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I just thought it would be one of those ridiculous things where they they basically thrown the character of James Bond in there, and, and it's a generic game, you know, maybe like a little platform to it, like you're talking about. Um, but then there's there's a lot of talking and <laughs> a lot of walking around. I was like, all right, you do this for a minute or two, and, and then we'll and then it'll break down. Uh, but a it never it never happened. A lot yeah, of walking, a lot, lot of talking. Walking. A lot of pressing the the what is it the B button up against every surface you can possibly find. Press the find. hell yes. <laughs> You're just yes. Oh God. 
they had to do a lot with the Game Boy, and the Game Boy has, you know, as, as everyone can recall, you have two real buttons. You have the A and the B button. You also have a start and select button, uh, and then the, the, the directional pad, but that's it. You don't have any top buttons to use. You don't have any L and R's. You don't have anything else. So in order to do a game where you pick up items and use items, they had to go a couple, they, they could have gone a couple different ways. You know, you go the Metal Gear route where everything is a, is a bunch of menus to get to stuff, and they kind of did that here, but they made it a little bit simpler. So... Uh, in a little bit mm. more freeform. Uh, you have the, the A and B buttons at the start of the game. The B button is block and the A button is punch. Uh, for, for regular combat, which you get into at the very start of the game, uh, you're gonna, for hand-to-hand combat, you're basically going to hold block until your opponent attacks, and then you switch from block and hit attack. You don't take any damage when you're blocking from physical attacks, uh, but later on when people have guns and such, you can't just block bullets. Uh, but, but still, it, it does kind of soften the blow for some things. So you'll want to use block mm. as much as you can and then attack. But... Once you start walking around in the game, you realize, wait a minute, I'm talking to people, they're telling me I need to find items, like I'm trying to figure out how to get to, and the, and the game starts in China, and you're supposed to, to find Zong Mei and get some plans uh, that for some kind of, of world domination scheme, and then escape back to, to London, because you're James Bond. So you're talking to all these different people to try to figure out where to go, and you're on these docks with all these little buildings around, so it's, you know, you're going to each building, much like in Metal Gear Solid, or much like in a Metal Gear setting, uh, and in that building you can look around. But at first you're like, I don't see anything to pick up. I'm not finding new items. I'm supposed to be finding, uh, I can't remember what the first item is. I think it's, uh, uh, no, the first the first room, the guy's like, oh, find a health, uh, find a first aid kit, it'll be really helpful. And I was like, okay. And I went through all the buildings and all the areas, and I got, eventually got stopped. I couldn't go anywhere else because I need to find a hammer to fix a bridge. And I'm like, I can't find mm-hmm. anything. There's like three rooms, and these, these bridges, nothing's there. Why? Well, I, I looked at the manual. And, uh, and the manual's like, oh, well, you can use the A and B button to do what the A and B buttons are selected for at the top. So at the start, it's, it's uh, block and punch. But also if you use it to talk to people, either A or B work, and also to find items that are hidden. So yes, you're going to spend most of the game, if you're not physically in a fight, just walking around mashing one of those buttons. And, and since B is block, it means your character just puts his arm up, basically, for an animation. And then you can kind of just keep mashing that block button while you walk around. And if you walk over where an item is, like in the first house, you can walk in when the guy says, hey, look for the first aid kit. If you walk around his wall, like near a cabinet, and you hit it, all of a sudden it's like, ding, and at the bottom right of the screen, it'll show you, oh, I, I found an item, and it, it's a health box. Okay, great, I have a first aid box. At that point, once you find items, you hit select, and you go to the item um, inventory screen, and then you can decide what you want A and B to do. So you don't have to have A or B ever be block or or punch or whatever. You can set those buttons to wherever you want, including block, punch, mm-hmm. uh, using your items in that case. Sometimes it's weapons that you can use over and over again. Sometimes it's a key item that you need to give to somebody, so you have to have it in your hand and then use that item to talk to them. It, it, it gives you a lot of freedom in how all of this kind of works together, but it also means if you are really set on you know blocking or in some cases you get like... Uh, uh, bulletproof vests or, or things that, not bulletproof vests, but like, like defensive vests, things that help you take damage, they still take up one of those slots to be active. So if you're trying to use a weapon and use a vest, but also need to use an item, you have to say, fine, I'll, I'll like a health item, a health refill item, you have to unequip your gun or whatever, put on your health item, go back to the main screen, use that health item, then go back to the select screen, switch back to your gun or whatever you're mm-hmm. going to use, and then go on about the rest of your 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 fight if you're in the middle of a fight. So it... it it makes it a little unwieldy, but it's also not a whole bunch of menus. It's just one menu that you're going to see over and over and over again. It, it didn't bother me too much. I, for the most part, the levels aren't really long enough or, or big enough to really... Uh, I, I wasn't going back and forth into that menu as much as what I thought I was going to be. Uh, the later, the, the last couple of stages get a bit to be much uh, as far as that. 
since they're they are a lot more like just kind of running around figuring out where you need to go what you need to do but like early on it's it's pretty well indicated as to what you need to do and how you need to do it and i found the guns that i liked i actually just used once i got the machete i just used the machete all the time yes. oh yeah uh, yep uh, that was that was it that was the end game <laughs> for me uh, unless yeah. i got the rocket yeah. launcher um because the rocket launcher and I believe the grenades too just take out these uh, the enemies in like one hit. The everything else uh, these are kind of enemies that they like to take a lot of hits, and even like guns and stuff like that. There's not you're you're kind of firing off a lot of these uh, bullets at them, and the it, most of the game takes place in these very narrow passages uh, that that is laid out in. So you don't have much room to navigate or try to get around these guys that you're shooting the bullets at. So once you get the machete, I was just like, just run, just run at him with <laughs> the machete, just yeah. going at him. Uh, that was that was yeah. That was once I got that, the inv- the whole inventory thing didn't really bother me much. Well, and, and the combat. I is would such... be more inclined. Oh, no, go ahead. I would be much more inclined to watch a James Bond film if it was if two hours of of him just running violently at people, <laughs> waving, <laughs> waving a machete over his head. It's brutal. Yeah, it, it's how frightening. How frightening does that have to be for the fucking enemy characters in this? Game? Oh, there's nothing they can do. They just got to stand there and take it. <laughs> well, and the combat in the game is such that when you hit an enemy, they kind of stall whatever they're doing for a moment. So you can kind of, if there's one, if you're only fighting one person, you can be basically lock them in with that machete or even just punching if you can line it up right, and they can't do anything about it. They just sit there and take a bunch of hits. That does not include the few bosses that are in the game, but for the regular rank and file, you know army guys or militia guys or whatever they're supposed to be, uh, they, they definitely, you can lock them in. However, the game knows that, and so a lot of the fights, especially later on, you're fighting three, four, five people in a room, and so you can't just lock one guy down because everybody else is firing at you, and because you're in the middle of attacking, it means you're not blocking. It also means if you have a, a like a vest or something that's supposed to protect you, it only has so many hits of how many you know, how much damage it can prevent before it starts taking your life down, and your life bar, which, you know, thankfully it's not one hit in death, but your life bar does not take too much damage, especially if you're fighting against people that also have rocket launchers mm-hmm. or grenades. Uh, four or five hits and you're dead if you don't heal, which means getting out of combat to heal, or, um, you know, just managing to, to take everyone down and dodge all those bullets, which is not incredibly hard, but again, like Jeremy said, a lot of these areas that you're going to do, do some of these fights in are corridors, and some of them are corridors with things all over them, boxes and crates and such, so you don't have a lot of room to run around, so it is really easy to kind of get trapped uh, especially in some of the later areas, and just die because you just don't have time to realize how much damage you're taking uh, before it ends. I did think, like, originally the game was going to go heavy on the hand-to-hand combat, and mm-hmm. I thought that was terrible because I just don't get the, the hand-to-hand stuff. It just it, I don't know what I was doing wrong, but thankfully that they didn't lean on that for very long. Uh, but yeah, that that's really about the only thing, only bad thing I have to say about the combat, besides everything being very close quarters. So uh, it's 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 fine. It's it's fine. <laughs> it's not anything that's you know it's it's not the highlight of the game for me or anything like that. Uh, but it 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 were it is functional. We'll say that. Yeah, I mean you got to you got to get that CQC in in this game. You got to get that close quarters in. But yeah, it's it's I guess fine. I, the word "fine" comes up for this game um, an awful lot, uh, and I really I was having a pretty good time with it. And I, I don't I can't say I always do um, with a game like this because yeah, it does have it does have a little it does have some obtuse moments to it. It does have a lot of just fucking walking around, jamming the B button down, 
checking every little square inch of the screen. Um, but I, I thought this game, and we've talked a couple of times before about how surprised we've been, um, you know, by, by the, the power of the Game Boy, you know, cranking out uh, a much larger, fuller feature games than we, than we thought it would be able to. I think we talked about that with Link's Awakening. Um, but this was another one of those. And it actually does a, a pretty damn good job of, of keeping a story going along. There aren't a lot of games on Game Boy like this, which is a, a, a really, I mean, I think that stands out more than anything else, is that, that the games on mm-hmm. Game Boy that I had, and I know that I didn't have every game for Game Boy, but the ones that I did were not this sort of, you know, kind of puzzle-solving adventure game. Either it's straightforward puzzle games like a Tetris or Quark or something, or it was just action games that were okay, they were fine, and it wasn't until way later that I even got any role-playing games on the thing. So so this kind of game, and yes, it's a little bit late in the in the system's life at 1998, but still, it, it's impressive that this game is on Game Boy, which also means that it's a little bit short. If you're looking for an adventure game that's going to take you days and days, this isn't it. I mean, it's, it's designed to work on a Game Boy, so you got to you know, worry about battery life and everything else uh, in, in, in a game like this. So it's not a long game. I think I finished this in, I mean, total, including some of the kind of fumbling around, uh, in under like four hours. It's not a long game. That, that's four hours of really trying to explore everything and, and you know, have, have a full understanding of the game to talk about it. But I think if you were just blowing through it, especially now that I know it, I could do it in a couple hours, no problem. And I would enjoy it because it's got, it's got a plot. It moves along. You go to different areas. So the game starts, like I said, in China. And then once you find Zongmei, which is not a hard fight, it's kind of teaching you if you just kind of bang on the, on the buttons to fight, you'll eventually take people out pretty quick. You get those plans, head back to London. In London, you get your next mission, which is to go to the Middle East to find Agent uh, 008, who's been taken captive. Uh, after they send him on a mission, he's vanished, so they want you to go find him. And, and then that, that area, Kurdistan is that area, is an, like a village with some outlying areas you have to deal with and some caves. When you're in Kurdistan, you know, it's first trying to deal with this like local warlord whose name is, I believe it's pronounced Iqbal, I-Q-B-A-L. And he's, mm-hmm. he's apparently getting a bunch of arms from you know, somebody else that's, that you're supposed to find out who's given the arms and find 008 and, uh, and, and rescue him. So you have to take out Iqbal. And, uh, and then you find 008, and he's like, oh, you know, Iqbal's been getting his weapons from Odd Job. So it's got this connection to other Bond villains. It's not based on a direct Bond story. It's not based on any of the movies, but it's got little parts of different things. And it does follow that kind of James Bond or Mission Impossible or this kind of, like, storyline where you go from country to country and mm-hmm. get little pieces of what to do. So, yeah, he says, oh, go to Marrakesh and, and find Job." So when you get to Marrakesh, it's a huge city with almost, like, mazes through everything. It's not really a maze because you can map it out. It's not some super confusing, like, oh, you have to know to go up, left, right, left to go to the next section. It's, it is mm-hmm. a, a straightforward map, but it's very big, and there's no overworld map at all for this. So you have to figure out, okay, I'm going from place to place, and there's tunnels you have to go into that kind of connect these different areas. Uh, also, and this is probably why this was a big section for me, uh, is there is a casino in, in, uh, that you have to go to for the story because it's James Bond, but also it's a working casino uh, for, for in-game purposes, and at least one of the games is very good. Their blackjack game is just fine. It plays just like blackjack. <laughs> now that you can play blackjack or a game called Red Dog. Now I'd never even heard of Red Dog, and, and I'm I'm a pretty big degenerate, so I'm surprised if that's a real game that I'd never heard of it. Did either of you hear of Red Dog before? I, the only Red Dog I know is the beer from back in the back in the nineties. Um, not the game though. But I I figured I, I got a little excited when you. Uh, when you said that the game really opened up for you, and I knew it was probably because the, the, there was a damn card game coming up. Yeah, yeah. I played a lot yeah. of blackjack, despite that you don't really have to. 
but it, it's cool because it's it it recreates the old and i you know as limited knowledge if i have i know james bond ends up in a fucking casino every now and then and he he's got to you know he's got to track down that high roller he's got to get in that 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 back room and to do so he's just got to get out there and and, and fucking play and win so I, it was pretty neat that they were kind of recreating that that whole thing in the game i when the game turned into temporarily turned into casino kid i was like yeah they're Jeremy P is going to be pretty excited about <laughs> this one, especially that Blackjack was there. Uh, it, that's neat. The game does these little things that it, that you wouldn't expect it to do, especially on the Game Boy. And for a game like yeah. this, uh, there's a there's a part later where uh, it sends you to um, uh, you you can't beat the boss. It's an automatic fail or something, mm-hmm. and then it, you you get sent out into the desert with like a GPS where you basically have to find your way around to various water holes so you don't die and then also find your way out of the desert. So it's, there's stuff like that in this game that you just, I I was kind of shocked to see it. It it really kind of flipped a lot of the gameplay on its head when this stuff came up. Well, after after you, so you get to this casino and I'm sorry, I'm going to dwell on this, but I was very excited. You get to the casino and you, you get to open up by the bank of like a thousand dollars and you have to earn up to $2,500 to be able to go into the high rollers room to advance the story. Cause you're supposed to find odd jobs like Sideman Fez who hangs out in this casino in the high rollers room. So you, you play blackjack. If you know what you're doing, you play red dog. Now red dog, I'd never heard of red dog is a game where you basically are playing kind of like a weird version of Joker's wild. Instead of picking if the card next is going to be higher or lower, they put three cards in the middle and they, they, you bet on whether or not the card, uh, they, they show you the ones on the left or right, and the middle one's still face down. So it'll be like you know, a five, a face down card, and a nine. And you're supposed to bet on, is that card in the middle in between the other two cards? Is it going to be a six, seven, or eight? And that's what you're betting on. Dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Never played it. That said, I played it a lot in this game to see. And it's okay, but it's not as good as Blackjack. And then so once you get the blo- to, to the High Rollers room, you have to play and win several hands of Baccarat. Do either of you know the rules of Baccarat? Nope. I, I do not, and I still don't. I I, I did what I had to do. <laughs> yeah, that's about um, right. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how I did it. Yeah, I I barely know the rules of baccarat, and and it's it's basically you're betting on whether or not your hand that you don't get to see, or the dealer's hand that you don't get to see, is higher. So it's basically flipping a coin. I mean, there's some odds to it. I think it, the dealer has the has the odds most of the time, but still, it's like. What a weird game. Even in a real casino, I'm like, this is a crazy game. Because you don't have any control over anything other than saying whose hand is going to be better. And then the hands have to follow certain rules. You have to draw on a cards if certain things are up. And, you know, t- face cards are worth zero points. And all this other stuff, you're like, how would you know any of these rules? And the game explains none of Baccarat to you at all. <laughs> I'm looking at the manual right now to see if in the manual it even explains the basic rules to this game. To that game, I mean, so that you're not just sitting there like an idiot. And it does not. So I don't know how they expected kids in 1998 that wanted to play a James Bond game and get to this point. How would you ever figure out that game? Unless it's just what you guys did, and kind of what I did too, because it is kind of a random thing. You just picked it till you won enough money and then quit, and it turns out Fez is standing there after that, telling you your hand is strong or whatever, and lets you move on to the next part of the story. But yeah, that was I was like, you know, I know how to play this a little bit, and even I'm like a little lost. I wonder if Jeremy and Billy got to this point, and they're like, well, this game is now officially my least favorite game we've played. I, I just kind of thought maybe it was like a James Bond thing. I'm kind of like Billy. I don't really know too much about James Bond besides Goldeneye. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, I just thought maybe this was something that's happened in a 
in a James Bond movie before, you know, like, yes, let me see what hand you have, Mr. Bond, or something, and then they have sex. But that's, I mean, that's really about what I know James Bond to be. So I just kind of guessed and <laughs> guessed my way through. Uh, I didn't, it, yeah, I didn't know if I missed something that the game had told me how to play this game or not, but that's that's how I made it through. Yeah, the other two, they have people near the tables you can talk to that give you the basics of of blackjack and um, and red dog, at least to tell you, like, hey, the goal is this, in, like, two sentences. They don't get in the details, but, you know, for blackjack, hey, as close as you get to 21, that's pretty straightforward. It doesn't explain what doubling is, although you can do it in the game. It doesn't explain any of that. You don't need to know. You're just trying to earn a little bit of money on the side for, for, the, for this story forward. No big deal. Uh, so after you get through and, and get meat fez, and you get to then go through, like, the... A whole bunch of caves and stuff there on the other side of a black market. You have to do a bunch of trading stuff there. That's a big, like, adventure section there where you're going through and trading items to people. To I need a cat to get these rats, and once I have the rats, I'll give you a gem, and you give this gem to this guy, and he'll give you a phone. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Uh, I like that. You get to these caves that are all action, and eventually you get to face off against Odd Job. Odd Job is the fight you mentioned earlier that you have to lose. I hate that in games. I mean, I don't mind it when it happens, and it's something where I'm like, okay, fine, we'll move the story on. But sometimes you think you're in one of those fights because you're like, oh, there's no way I can win this. And then you die after like so long and, and it still kills you. And you're like, well, I guess that wasn't a fight I couldn't lose <laughs> or I couldn't possibly win. That's very, very frustrating. I played another game like that recently, right? I fought for half an hour because it was like an RPG. I was like, well, I must have to lose because I'm not doing any damage. It's been half an hour or whatever. So I died. And of course, I just died and wasted that half an hour. So this has a fight you have to lose against Odd Job. Then it throws you in the desert. Uh, which I do think is funny because it's like, let's throw him in the desert and take all his stuff. And you get to the next screen and you still have most of your stuff. Like they took the, some stuff you don't need for the story anymore, but you still have your gun. And you still have like a, your first aid kits, everything else. You're just missing some stuff. Um, but yeah, you have to find your way through this desert, which is a, a big open maze. It's not really a maze, but it's kind of like uh, just a bunch of screens that you have to make sure you have so much water to get from screen to screen until you find the Air Force base that's out in the middle of the desert to get you back to, uh, to, to your next adventure, which is to go to Tibet. And Tibet's a series of caves in the mountains you're supposed to figure out. It doesn't even explain when you get there what you're supposed to do, but eventually you do find another agent from MI6 who's like, oh, we found out that they are, have a secret fortress here somewhere. You've got to figure it out. So that's where you finally get through like these crazy tunnels that you have to fight and find a, 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 hook and, a hook and rope so you can like, you know, find ways through the mountain that's not just a straight path. You get to the end and of course it's all set up. It's a setup so the odd job can capture you again and throw you into their secret fortress. But you do get to get broken out because you have help from Zongmei, the woman you stopped in the original, comes to save you because she's like, look, I was just doing that to try to save my village, but it turns out they're never going to let me out of this, so I'm, I'm here to stop Ajab as well or whatever. So then you have to do a whole bunch of fighting. That whole secret base is nothing but fighting and trying to make it to the end, so you have to have a lot of health uh, health items. You get to fight Ajab at the end. You finally find a way to stop him. Ajab throws his hat like he does in whatever 007 movie it is that he's in. Sorry, I'm not a big James Bond fan either. I've seen some movies, but I'm not like a, a huge fan. And you have to find like a way to bounce his hats back at him so it's not a straight action fight. I thought that was really cool uh, as, as a boss mechanic. And then... Yeah, that's... I mean, the, the earlier boss, uh, what's what's the dude with the chompy or whatever his name is? Uh, you've got to use like uh, magnets. That oh, that, yeah, Jaws is next. Stop. You fight Jaws in, in the next yeah. area. Oh, yes, yes, it, right? uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise that, known as chompy. Yeah, you know, that's what his friends call But it's just, uh, they kind of do little things like that. I thought that was kind of fun. But those later, the later level, I think that's where I stopped kind of having most of my fun with it. Uh, I think, for the most part, I think there's, it's a little bit too mazy for me. Like just getting around from place to place, there are just a lot, a lot of little mazes and and 
figuring out where you need to go, what doors to go to to get to the next part of the map. But like uh, that, I that it was it got kind of kind of rough toward towards the end of the game for me. Well, it definitely leans in on the action more. It, it's less uh, once you get through that black market area and uh, and uh, through the black market area in in Marrakesh with all the trading. After that, the the, the puzzle parts are a little more. I don't want to say less interesting, but they're not as stacked. They're not as back to back. Like it, that, the first part of the game, it felt like a lot of the, the whole first part of the game was figuring out what to use items to to progress the story forward, to get into these areas, to figure your way around. Later on, it's like you have to fight a bunch of rooms. You get to the end, and someone's like, oh, "I wish I had a gem." And you're like, "Okay." So then you fight through a bunch of other rooms and find a gem. Then you go back with the guy with the same gem, and he's like, "Thanks. Here's some plans or whatever you need for the, to to progress the story forward." It's not as interesting uh, for the the puzzles, but yes, they do in, instead have. Two bosses in Odd Job and Jaws that are different than just straight punching everybody, and then uh, and eventually you'll get to to figure out who is ultimately behind all this. Uh, when you take out Jaws, he lets you know that it, it's Golgov, some Russian, uh, like retired Russian general or something that's trying to start, you know, World War Three or whatever his plot is uh, by by shooting missiles out of everybody. So you have to get to their secret base and uh, and fight him, which is all action and these switch puzzles. The switch puzzles are. They aren't hard. They're just they're pointless. I don't know if you guys got this far in the game. It's the very last level. Yeah. But but it's just yeah. a bunch of doors. You have to hit switches in a random order until eventually it makes the James Bond theme, and you know you've succeeded in whatever you're supposed to do. And you go back, mm. and there's like a series of gates you've opened to go to another set of these switch puzzles and fight guys the whole time. And it, I I think after I got through Odd Job and Jaws, I I probably saw enough of this game because the last level itself, where you're going through the base, isn't that interesting. Um, it, it's oh, just God. big corridors, and you you have to flip a bunch of switches, and you get to the end. Now, after you fight and beat Golgov, you figure the game would be over, but of course it's not because he's already set into plan, you know, set his plan into action to shoot these nuclear missiles off. So you have to defuse the missiles. I still, I, I I said I finished this game, and I did, and that I got that far. I have not finished this section of the game. The very very end, after you beat the last boss, and you have to figure out how to stop the missiles, which is just running through a series of, like, laser guns and bullets that shoot really fast. I don't have any health items left, so I have to do it perfectly, and I have not succeeded in that yet, and it is super irritating. No, I, I you know, uh, like Jeremy said, I, this game, it, it did. That last bit of it, it it, it wore out its welcome. It, it really did. And up till then, I mean, I... This game, it had all the goodwill in the in the world with me. Uh, it was it was really surprising me. And then yeah, um, I, I think Jeremy said it got a little mazy, and it sure did. And I kind of checked out. Um, I'm I'm in a similar area. I'm in that last little bit. Um, I, I think I was in the midst of flipping switches on there, and it's, uh, you know I feel like I've kind of seen it all at that point. And it it goes uh, the the fun turns to tedium. Uh, at least for me, it did very quickly there towards the end. Well, this game does save. It is a Game Boy game with a save battery. So when you start the game, actually much like Goldeneye, when you start the game, you pick a save file and you put your name in it or whatever. And it, so it saves to that file, but there's only one save slot. So every time you mm-hmm. you continue, it's like save or continue or you know continue and don't save. So I was hitting save and continue every time, which is fine. There's a lot of checkpoints in these levels, especially the later ones where you're not going back to the beginning of that level. But it still means that now my save for this game at the very end of the game is after killing Golgov, and I'm just sitting there at the start of the 
of this like gauntlet section where there's these laser beams that you have to dodge. You get a, a mirror item from one of the previous levels and you can use that mirror to bounce the lasers back, but it doesn't destroy the guns. It just means they don't hurt you. So you have to time running in between these these lasers, but you have to hold the mirror up towards the laser. You can't just like have the mirror on. Mm -hmm. You have to point at the laser. And it means that if you're slightly off, and it's a Game Boy D-pad, if you're slightly off with, with your movement, uh, on that, it's going to hit you, and it takes four or five hits to kill you. I don't have any other health items. I don't have any, like, vests to protect me. So I have to get through this gauntlet. It's like, it is easily, like, 20 screens long, if not more, of just going through this series of lasers and guns. And I get to where I thought the end was, and I was like, yes, I finally get to the end. And I don't know if it's a bunch of screens, because I can't get through the first one, but it's guns firing so fast that I can't possibly dodge them. I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to use the mirror, and, and even, like, I looked at a walkthrough, and it's like, hope you have some health items. I'm like, well, I don't. I have no health items. I have no way to get them. So in order to finish this, I'm going to have to either just, like, get the perfect run of this one section or start the game over again. Now... That's not a big deal. If I owned this game when it was new, I would have definitely been like, all right, I'll just start over. Because the rest of it, now that I know what the puzzles are, mm -hmm. it's pretty fast. Um, but you know, I kind of crammed this in in a few days because we switched games right before we recorded <laughs> to this game. So I didn't. I, I was like, I've, I've played this now for like two solid days. I cannot, cannot go back and, and start this over again. But, you know, if that's where my, my frustration was at the very end of the game, I'm okay with that in some ways. There's a lot of games where... The game kind of has a steep difficulty at the very, very end, and this is this is what this game has done as well. But I do admit, if you don't like mazes, from pretty much um, Marrakesh on, each level is essentially a series of mazes or an overworld that leads to a series of mazes. I, I, earlier in the game, it didn't bother me that much because it was paced pretty well. You know, you had those sections where you were just either talking to people or, or doing the whole adventure stuff. Uh, finding items, giving it to, to whoever, and then you'd have your action stages. It broke things up fairly nicely. Uh, but towards the end, when it started just leaning heavily on the action, uh, plus having to just constantly run around those those mazes to find those buttons and things like that, uh, that's that's where I threw in the towel. Just I, I didn't have enough time to really finish it myself either. But it was, uh, up, up to that point, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I It was a big surprise to me <laughs> as how much I enjoyed it. Uh, especially for, for what I thought it was going to be. Um, I just yeah. kind of wish the, that last level, those last couple of levels, wasn't, wasn't quite as action-y as, as uh, you know, it tries to be. Mm -hmm. and, and, and similar. I, I you know, was, was blown away um, by what the game actually gave me. And I really loved like a lot of little touches on it. We talked about the, the casino part, things like that. I, I think it did a lot of neat things, especially on the Game Boy. Um, I give it a ton of credit for that, and it was it was a, a, a fun playthrough. Um, just just it just it fell apart for me right there towards the end. Um, and it's one of those I am going to. I know I don't have a lot left. I'll probably try to stick it out. Uh, I'm in kind of the same spot uh, as far as, as as health items go, uh, so I don't even know if it's possible. Uh, but yeah, it's and for a James Bond fan. I'd imagine this would be, you know, probably a pretty big hit and one of those to definitely play. Um, but God, I don't know if I could could toss this one out there, you know, with a hearty recommend. I, I got some enjoyment out of it, but I kind of hate games that really, you know, kind of fizzle out at the end like that. It just kind of makes you question the time you spent leading up to that. But uh, no, I mean, just, just a surprising game and I give it a big hats off. For, for the ambition, 
behind it and the things that it, it did manage to pull off it is very reminiscent to me of Metal Gear on the NES. And I would probably let that be your measuring little measuring stick as to, you know, whether or not you would you would enjoy it. Yeah. If you I like kinda wonder what oh. Go ahead. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wonder what James Bond fans actually thought of this. You know, if this was mm. the game after GoldenEye, you know, the, the big coming out party for what a, a Bond oh, game yeah. could be. And then you, you getting your Game Boy game on, you probably going to this expecting a, a, you know, like you said, a side-scrolling action kind of game. Uh, Contra experience, sort of. You know, you're just going around blowing stuff up with uh, James Bond. But you, you sit down to this and it's, this weird kind of, you know, puzzle adventure maze action game. Just like, what the hell is this? But I think there's enough James Bond stuff in here uh, that that even people that weren't into this kind of game could at least appreciate what they did. Uh, we didn't even mention, like, after the, the first area where you go back to the, uh, the the headquarters. I forget what it's called. MI6 so like in, in, in London. Yeah. Uh, where you're, like, actually talking to the, you know, the characters back there at the base and... And they've got some some cool little things, you know, like the couch with a guy that keeps getting caught in it, and things like that. It's it's neat, and and they really seemed like they they liked the the source material. They wanted to make their own kind of James Bond experience, and I think they yeah. did. I think they, for the most part, totally did. Um, and uh, Jeremy, you will be sad to know. Maybe this will actually push you through. But if you beat the game, you can actually play the uh, gambling games on their own. From the start menu. That is almost, uh, almost worth it on its own. I, I want to finish this anyway. I do want to finish this. I just, I literally realized an hour or so ago that I was at that wall that I wasn't going to get through it without going back. I'm like, well, I don't have time to do that right now. I feel bad that I didn't completely finish it, but I came very, very close. And honestly, up until this point, I've had a lot of fun with this game. I think the comparisons to Metal Gear are very valid. Uh, again, the, the original NES Metal Gear, not not the Metal Gear Solid and, and after that. I mean, it's got some of the same same feel because i think the nes game does too but this is a lot closer to that nes game and and Mm -hmm. if you like that kind of game if you're a james bond fan uh, even if you just like adventure games more than than action games i think this is worth checking out Uh, the action is a little heavy later on but it's not it's not completely overpowering it and like we mentioned earlier if you do get that bazooka you can kind of just blast everything to part as long as you save up bullets long enough to get to get uh, you know 50 or so in your inventory uh, and then you can kind of march mm-hmm. through some of those more difficult sections with no issues uh, just make sure as I learned to keep some health items just in case and don't use them all and maybe don't save every time yeah. you can maybe only save when you when you're doing well and <laughs> come back and try it again another time but it's a different game and especially on Game Boy there's not a lot like this so our thoughts on James Bond 007 for the Game Boy. It may not be everybody's shaken but not stirred cup of tea. Huh? How about that James Bond reference? But it was certainly mine and kind of Jeremy and Billy's in parts. Well, if you like Metal Gear, it might be a game to check out. And thank you again, Jarhead9555 for recommending it from our Patreon. Again, if you want us to cover your game like we did for Jarhead's game here, please check out our Patreon. It's linked in the description of this podcast. It's also available along with all of our social media and all of our links to like YouTube and even this podcast over at Retrovania.net where you can find the link to our Patreon. But also at the very bottom of that page, you go to Retrovania.net, you get to see all the pretty stuff. And at the very bottom, there's a form. 
And that form lets you put in whatever you like, and it comes in questions to us that we will answer on the show like we're going to do right now. And this first question comes in from Mason, a.k.a. Philly Walliday. He's writing in about flight simulators. Hey, nerds. Most of my questions are video game soundtrack related, and this is no exception. Here's an oddly specific one. What flight simulator, plane, or dogfighting game has the best soundtrack? Give your answer, and then shut the fuck up, because you're wrong. Ace Combat 2 is the correct answer. I, you know what? I want to start it off by saying there's a lot of, a lot of nerve <laughs> for the same guy that has questions about flight simulators to call us nerds. What the hell? Um, God, I don't fucking know. I, I'm not... I'm not a flight simulator guy um, by by any stretch of the amount. God, I think Pilot Wings is the closest thing I've played to a flight simulator. And I, I don't even, I don't think that's probably, you know, held in high regard amongst the, the hardcore flight sim circles. I, I got to lay out, I will choose just to shut the fuck up from the beginning. Because I, I, I don't have much to, much to offer on this one. Yeah, I'm also not a big, Flight Sim guy, I mean, for soundtracks, though, I would say the opening to the Top Gun game on Nintendo rules. So that's what I'm going to go with. Do you know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that is pretty great. Uh, there's no, I don't think there's any other music in the rest of that game. Uh, but, yeah, that, that is probably the best tune in any flight simulator that I've played anyway. And I have played um, Top Gun. And that is the only flight simulator <laughs> I've ever played. Actually, I, I, want, I did play the original Ace Combat on PlayStation. And in theory, I like flight simulators. I, I just don't really ever play them, I guess. I don't know. So I, do you guys actually like enjoy that genre at all? Have you, besides Top Gun, like anything? I wouldn't even consider Top Gun, I, honestly, a flight sim. I, I, no. I, I had one of the like original, like... You know, Chuck Yeager's flight sim or whatever it was called on my Amiga. And I never managed to take off without crashing. I do not like realistic flight sims. Um, maybe if I knew how to fly or understood basic physics, I might enjoy it, but I don't. So I, I have not enjoyed an actual flight sim ever. Same here. I, I just, I, I've never, never have. Um, I, I, I'm assuming Ace Combat was the one I, because it was a very early, it was still in the big box uh, PlayStation game. Um, and you know, I, I didn't have the most fun in the world with it. Um, man, I, you know, wish we could have, could have been more help. Uh, you know, I don't know if we did a good job answering that. It, it couldn't, the way the question was worded, answer, couldn't he, happen to a nicer guy. He didn't really want our answer. He told us to shut up and just say Ace Combat 2. So we kind of did that. Yeah. I, I think Pilot Wing 64 had a pretty damn good soundtrack. That's, that's a fun That's story. right. I'll take that. I'll, I'll go with that and Top Gun. Uh, maybe someday I'll play Ace Combat 2 and experience the glory that is that, is that music. But I've, uh, I know there's actually a lot of people that, that genuinely love that series. Uh, mm -hmm. But I've just, I, I don't know, I've never been that kind of guy that plays, plays those games. So that may be the most oddly specific question we have ever been asked on this podcast. Maybe. So uh, congratulations, Philly Walladay. At least about games. Us. Yeah. We've got yeah. more specific ones about fast food items. Well, yeah, that's you know, that's that's our that's our real passion. So you know, this yeah. this is just like secondary shit to us. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for writing in. Um, we'll we'll get around to that shit someday. Next question comes in from sympathetic koala, and uh, he writes in to say, or he or she writes in to say, uh, they're wearing out. 
I don't know if any of you feel the same way, but these last couple of years have really pushed me away from the major releases from most publishers. The days of going to GameStop and browsing new releases for something that looks unique and fun seems long gone lately, when almost every title is either an open world game or yet another game trying to be Destiny. Thankfully, indie games fill in the gaps, but I really miss the days of Dark Souls, Bioshock, and Dead Space. Are any of you feeling the same? Or should I be ashamed of feeling nostalgic about those Xbox 360 and PS3 days? I mean, you know, out of those three, two out of three of them are, have a new entry coming or a remake. Um, no, I'm in the same boat. Uh, uh, most of my game playing, um, I, God, Final Fantasy 14 might be the first one to break it for a while. Um, has just been like, you know, indie games and and things like that and things that I pick up just on on deep sales like super super deep sales and end up really enjoying uh i mean you know you do that and for every 10 you pick up there's two or three hits littered in there um but no i just i just think that you know while the the, the big names just kind of yeah like he's talking about just keep putting out the same kind of shit and it, it follows the same type of formula um it's it's also been a really a big boom uh creatively for a lot of indie studios or maybe it's always there and they just have you know more platforms now to to kind of show it off on um so yeah it's I, i'm also not playing a lot of the bigger studios titles anymore and yeah I, I do miss that i do miss going to gamestop um because i would never keep really 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 up to date uh, if it was a, a franchise i was interested in i would otherwise i loved it going into gamestop and, and just seeing a game i didn't even know uh, was coming out anytime soon, and there it was, and picking it up. Um, yeah, those those days I think are gone. I, I I don't think they're returning either. Yeah, I I can't imagine going to a store to just browse and see what's out anymore because no. because the internet has made it just so you don't need to do that. There's so many ways to find out what's coming out, even things you've never heard of. Uh, you know, if you go to like the eShop, for example, on the Switch and check new releases, there's guaranteed 50 games you've never even heard of. Now, 49 of them are probably bad, but that's okay because they're also like three dollars each. So it's fine to, like, just go around and browse to find things that way. I think I find more interesting things doing that than I do, you know, going to, to GameStop. Because all those big stores and big titles, there's already so much coverage on. I'm not surprised when they come mm. out. It, it's going to take – I mean, you mentioned Dark Souls, which is, I mean, a huge game. It did great. But even the first one of those, like, it was kind of one of those, well, like, this could be okay. Who knows? Like, it wasn't a major, massive, like, release. They weren't, like – it wasn't Breath of the Wild, you know? It wasn't like, oh, man, wait for Demon Souls. This is going to be the best thing ever. It came out, and people liked it, or they didn't like it. And then Dark Souls was like, oh, if you like Demon Souls, you'll like this. I'm like, what's Demon Souls? I don't have a PS3. I've never played it. Like, it, it's hard for me to get excited about a major game company uh, release, with the exception, of course, of most of the, the big Nintendo titles. I, I bought Mario Golf, the new yeah, one, and yeah. I'll buy more big Nintendo titles, but I think they know exactly what they're aiming at. So, I'm <laughs> like, Metroid Dread is the thing I'm the most excited about coming out, and I'm going to consider that a major title. I can't imagine that it's not, even though some people are like, oh, it looks like a like a Game Boy game. Like, well, you're crazy. It looks absolutely incredible, and I'm going to buy it. But it, it takes something like that to get me to buy something like day one, especially at full price. Uh, you know, something like that, or, or or then it's an RPG. Final Fantasy 16, the next Persona, I'll get those day one, too. But other than that, yeah, it's all indie stuff for me, too. I, I can see where you're coming from. I, there's, I think a lot of people forget just how many games were releasing back on the PS3 and 360. And it wasn't so much like it, they were really big releases. I think there was just a lot of mid-tier games that were being released back then. There really wasn't any indie games, unless it was Xbox Live Arcade, 
So everything was either like your big releases or they were just kind of under that and, Mm -hmm. you know, being tossed out. And there were so many of those. And like Billy said, I I did enjoy going to GameStop and and just seeing like all of these games that I I hadn't even seen coverage of uh, Mm -hmm. that were on the shelf. And a lot of them ended up being really good games. They just they weren't the big games that got all the coverage. Uh, But yeah, it was a that was probably the last time that we'll ever see that happen in, in a store setting. And what's being released now, you know, unless you're Sony or Nintendo, uh, then you're just kind of getting the same old, same old for the, for the most part. Uh, Microsoft's kind of creeping in there. Psychonauts 2 looks really great, but um, for the most part, like uh, it seems like EA or Ubisoft or whatever, you're just kind of getting those same cookie cutter games that, that they're going to put out. And it's, that's what, what it's going to be. You either like it or you don't. And I, I, I could definitely see the fatigue in that if you're, if you're not really into that. So, yeah, I th- thank you for writing in sympathetic koala. I am, I am sympathetic to that. Anyway, our next question comes in from Kenton from Kentucky, and he's writing about classic PC gaming. Why don't you cover classic PC games? Are you all gay? Thank you for reading well, my question. First off, <laughs> that's, that's not a yes or that's not a binary answer, so we're not going to answer that second part. But do we not cover PC uh, PC, we are, we're a console gaming podcast. That's what we grew up playing more. Yes, I had a PC. I had an Amiga. We can, we can, in some situations, I'm sure we can find reasons to cover a specific PC game, but that's, that's not what this podcast is. It is, it is about console gaming. It's pretty much how we've defined it since the first episode. So uh, nothing against PC games, but that's not what I played as a kid. Yeah, I, we've always, I, I think always have stated, you know, kind of openly where we're a console podcast uh but i, I could see uh, you know a pc game here and there probably in the form of a bonus episode because th- those kind of are the the catch-all for the the oddities that, that don't make it to a uh to a, a regular episode um but no it's just uh, there's a lot out there for that and i think there are a couple i've even brought up here and there to maybe look into one day but uh I, i'm sure there are probably people that are that are, are much more versed in, in PC games, because I, I I never had a very good <laughs> PC for gaming. In fact, I, I've had to do a lot of catching up over the last few years on, on what are considered, you know, some of the some of the standards of PC gaming from the past. Um, but no, I mean, it's I, I, I think we're pretty comfortable, uh, you know, just just covering the old consoles. But who knows? We might pepper one in in the future. I, my experience with PC gaming didn't really start until around uh, 1998 or so. Yeah, yeah. That was about when I got my first actual computer that could play games. So uh, there's my experience with that whole genre is pretty low. Uh, we, we do occasionally cover things that are PC-related. We've done Grim Fandango. Uh, we we talked a good deal about the, the PC version of Beavis and Butthead on, on that episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we just did MDK, uh, which, you know, we were focusing on the PlayStation uh, version on, on the bonus show, I should say. Um, we were focusing on the PlayStation version, but we also spoke uh, a lot about the PC version as well. So when those two things kind of come together, I think that's, that's when we, we can get around to, to covering PC, PC games. But generally I, I don't think a lot of our experience lies in that. And I would feel kind of bad being one of those guys. that's just like, ah, you know, trying to talk about something I don't really, really know too mm-hmm. much about. Uh, but thank you uh, for writing in Kitten from Kentucky. 
Uh, I, I can't really say about the whole thing uh, if we're gay or not. I don't I don't know these guys' lives, so we'll, you know you'll just have to figure that on here. Next up comes from at Penny P, and uh, he or she has a YouTube question. <coughs> Excuse me. I think this is where I should go to send this, so if not, then please disregard. Anyway, I wanted to ask you about your YouTube channel, specifically your game hunt videos. I really like watching those and was thinking about making some of my own around my state of Illinois, and I have a few questions. Do you generally ask permission to video inside these locations? Is it weird at all walking around taking said video? And is there anything else that I need to know? Thanks for making those videos, and I hope to see a new one soon. I, I generally don't ask for, for permission. I just kind of go in and, and take the video. It's, <laughs> it doesn't weird me out too much. Uh, but besides that, you know, it's just YouTube doesn't like having kids in their videos. So if it's very, it's it like crowded, I can't really do it. Um, so I, it's just, it's just one of those things that I have to go on times where there's not too many people around. There's not children. I'm not getting random people in the video. So that's really about the best advice I can give. If you want to ask the person that's in like a, a specific shop, uh, go ahead. I mean, if you're, if you're in like a, an actual major store like Walmart or something, they'll obviously say like, no, don't, don't do that. But, you know, they don't care. But for like smaller stores, just ask. You, you can if you want to. And, and most of them don't mind unless you're just talking shit about them or something. Yeah. Have you uh, ever had a, I, I, a store tell you to stop filming? I've never been to a store that has told me to stop filming yet, so uh, that's that's the thing. I think most of these people that on that own these stores don't mind. You know, they they like the attention. Um, I, I should do a better job of being like, hey, I'm going to record this. So this is going to be on this channel if you want to check it out when this comes out in like nine months after the fact. But like uh, otherwise, like I I'm just kind of very private. I'm usually there with other people. So I'm usually hidden from you from other people. <laughs> uh, and I'm just using my phone, by the way. I don't have like a, you know, GoPro or something like that going through there. I think uh, Billy has, has done this as well. Has anybody said anything to you? I, I haven't heard anything. Um, not, not offhand. And I, you know, Jeremy and I, we don't fucking ask permission for things. We just, we do what we want. Um, but, you know, well, we, we can't fully recommend that. Depending on the place, you know. Yeah, just just kind of go by what you see. You know, if it's if it's a small place and the guy's just sitting there watching you, being like, "What the hell?" Uh, you just tell him. You know, you're just doing it for your YouTube video or whatever. And they ninety nine percent of the time they won't mind. They'll probably just ask what channel is it going to be on so I can watch it. I did come across one place that had a sign out front that was like, if you put if you record any video whatsoever and put it anywhere, it's automatically our um, property. We will claim it. We will say this is our video and not yours. Uh, I thought that was kind of an assholeish thing or whatever, but you know it's it's their place, so they can make up the rules, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I do what you want to do. Uh, there's not too many rights or wrongs. I just say you know, no kids. Don't get too many people in your video or whatever. Focus on what you're doing and just kind of have a goal. I, I say this as that's, I just that's, go. To that's solid. Man, that's solid life advice, too, right there. Yeah, I guess so. As, as I go to, like, horrible flea markets and, and take video of just <laughs> toys and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, just keep it keep it streamlined, I guess, is what I'm saying. Don't do what we do. Uh, anyway, but yeah, thank you uh, for writing in at Penny P. And uh, if you want to send over something that you've uh, put on your YouTube channel, uh, feel free. 
Next uh, question comes in. Now, this is the portion of the show that is now fast food related or food oh, in boy. some way related. So if you would like to stop listening right now, please do. Uh, we have finished the video game section of this show. Uh, and the next two uh, questions, I'm actually going to read these at the same time um, because they kind of fit in together. Uh, this, uh, the first one comes from Nate, and uh, he says, your food, with uh, food in quotations. <laughs> I'm no health guru, but do you guys enjoy any food that isn't a greasy pile of diabetes pinched out by a clown in a paper hat? Somehow the burrito on top of the KFC bowl was grosser <laughs> than the kid in the backseat getting showered with diarrhea. I love the podcast, but you're all going to die. And uh, this next... The... Well, I mean... <laughs> I got news for him. So are you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all going down that road. Some faster than others, but you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, then next is an enraged listener, and he has uh, he says uh, peak fast food conversation here, guys. We have reached peak fast food conversation. You open Pandora's box, and now it threatens to eat. Unintended. Your podcast alive. Stoner gamers have no concept or, of limit or time. They will continue to write in about chicken sandwiches until they OD on Jolt, Jolt Cola. Many have likely forgotten or never knew this is a video game podcast. Aside from this, I am worried about your collective health. Billy's got kids, doesn't he? Nothing like seeing dad beat his first heart attack in his 40s. Up here in Canada, we, can't, we can complain that gorging yourself on bad food places a burden on the taxpayer when your unhealthy ass is getting your veins unclogged on the public hospital. But I guess down there, you're paying for your health care. So if you want to slowly kill yourselves, it's no weight on anyone else. I realize now that the images on your site are all very tight headshots. If we were to pan out, are you still sitting on, are you, are you all sitting on forklifts that cart you around? If not, can you please bring some balance to this conversation and discuss some of the healthiest things that you eat? I'll head it off. I am um, actually... And I don't want to ruin my image for those of you who enjoy the, the food discussion. I'm a very healthy eater that occasionally indulges. Um, I, I, maybe too healthy. I, you know, I, I'm doing the whole protein shake route. I eat like fucking gigantic salads two or three times a day. Um, I, my snack at work is a, a bag full of spinach, raw spinach. Um, God, I sat down last night and snacked on a fucking raw head of kale. What are you um, doing? These aren't exact. These aren't exaggerations. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm all the way in, like on a health kick now. But I like to let my uh, proverbial. There's none literal. I like to let my proverbial hair down every now and then. Um, I spend more time thinking about fast food than I do eating it. Um, but I, I feel like you know you gotta let yourself like. I think once every two weeks is kind of my comfort area, uh, where I'll get that that fast food fast food order. Um, Otherwise, no. I, I mean, I'm just a, a, a fucking water drinking, fucking green eating fake who, who likes to talk fast food and, and will have it. I mean, every two weeks I fucking probably do some damage really bad. Um, but no, I mean, I, I try to do good. I try to do good. And, you know, I, I when I have that heart attack in my 40s, it is purely going to be because of anxiety. Um High stress, um, keeping feelings, negative feelings bottled up. Just, you know, the regular things you have heart attacks for. I, I, I don't think it'll be food related. I do still eat 
garbage, I'd say, half the time. But I do try to eat better on the other times to balance it out. Uh, you know, I still probably eat eat pretty bad. But, you know, uh, my kids only eat junk, too. Like, they don't, they don't want to only eat junk, but they don't like... Like, if I go to a restaurant and get them something good, like a good restaurant, they won't eat it. I can't get Chinese food from someplace. I can't get um, anything but pizza or McDonald's or something similar if, if I'm taking them out to eat. So... On the occasion that I eat out, I most likely am eating pure garbage because that's the only thing I can get my kids to eat, uh, and I, I don't get to go out alone ever. So it's uh, it's at home, I actually do eat pretty well. Uh, I, I make a lot of food here myself. Not like I don't grow my own food, but I mean, you know, I, I cook, uh, especially since I'm home all the time. But when I do go out, yes, I do probably eat like a 15-year-old. And uh, and it does mean that I probably will have a heart attack by by fifty, and that's okay. That's just uh, that's just where I'm at. I, I am trying to kind of counterbalance that by doing more exercise and stuff. I don't think I'm at forklift level yet, but I definitely am not uh, not a model. Not that I I, I know that's going to let everyone down, but I am not. You can find pictures of me uh, at the Subtastics page to see that I'm not quite that fat, but I'm also not that small. I, for me, like most of my fast food experience came from my previous job. And I, I think Billy knows this well, too. It's like a lot of times when they send you out to some of these very small towns. Yeah. Yes, uh, working out on the road. Yeah, there is nothing there but fast food. Mm -hmm. You are lucky if they have fast food at some of these places uh, and not just some random gas station that has a hot dog that's been sitting there for, for who knows yeah. how long. Yeah. yeah. So that's that was mostly my experience with fast food because... I, I was too lazy to actually pack my lunch. And so I'd get out in the road and it's like, well, what's going on at Arby's this week? You know, what do they got going? What's their special? What's Taco Bell got? Because that's the stuff that you see that's on the road. You don't see too many organic places to, to eat healthy food when you're out traveling, uh, which is unfortunate, but that's what happens. And a lot of times whenever you get to your location after driving for five, six, seven hours, you don't generally feel like going to a, a nice place or something. You're just like, well, McDonald's is down the road. Fuck it. I'm going to get this and I'm going to go back to the hotel and just go to bed. But mm -hmm. I, that's, that was generally me. For, for the most part, I don't eat much fast food around here. The most fast food that I do eat would be breakfast fast food. Uh, that's, mm. that's what I eat. Uh, that would be my downfall probably. If I don't have an egg McBuffin without Canadian bacon at least twice a week, then that's that's Bizarre. a bad week for me. So that that's really what I eat. But I will go out if I see something that one of these places has, like a weird month-long thing, like we were talking about uh, the um, Cheetos mac and cheese things or whatever, uh, or just some like the naked chicken uh, thing that Taco Bell has. I, I'm a yeah. pretty big mark for those things. Like, I will totally go out of my way to try those things because they're just strange and stuff like that fascinates me. So luckily that's only like a once a month thing <laughs> for most of these places. And since COVID, no money, nobody's really doing that stuff. No one's had like crazy weird shit. It's just like Taco Bell being like, hey, the fries are back every other month or something. So luckily I haven't, I haven't been uh, doing that anywhere near as much as back when I was uh, traveling a lot for my previous job. So we eat. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I can't say I eat super healthy all the time, but, you know, I make most of my food myself. Like, I cook it myself. So I, that's got to be better than going out and, and getting fast food every day. So we're, we're sorry for the fast food questions. Uh, it's just something that people write in about, you know, and then people write in to complain about it, and then we have to read their questions, which then 
compounds <laughs> the whole fast food question. So here's the next question. It's about fast food. Perfect. And this comes from this comes. This is our last question, uh, and this comes from the bottom of a KFC famous bowl, as promised. Oh, uh, and he, he says, "I'm fed up with all of you. We're just we're going. It's it's you know we're doing good tonight. Apparently, you sit there and talk about all this other fast food and never once mention the king of fast food items, the KFC famous bowl. There is literally nothing else like it out there." with its tasty chicken bites, the savory sweet corn, the cheese that sits lightly on top of those smooth KFC mashed potatoes that are just waiting for you to take a brave dip inside of. Oh, and don't forget the glistening gravy that's been poured on top to complement everything and tie this masterpiece of a meal together. And did I mention it all comes in a bowl? It has done me good most, most of my life. <laughs> I don't know if it's done you good. <laughs> <laughs> Along with being the only surefire hangover cure I've ever seen. So you could all lick my KFC famous balls, since none of you deserve the goodness KFC offers you. Don't reply to this I... until you've learned your lesson. Sincerely, the Colonel. I hope I'm, it's the real Colonel. I'm a little. I'm a little intimidated by the famous bowl. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, I don't like my goddamn food to touch either. Oh, I'm one of those. You're one of those. I, I've gotten better over the years. I've gotten better to where I don't mind it touching. I, I don't like my food fucking having intercourse in a bowl. Um, I don't. I don't like it that close together. Um, oh, famous bowl sounds good. I, you were reading that description and it started off good. <laughs> Around the gravy part, though, I I can tell I'm not too far gone. Because I, I started to get a little, you know, a little repulsed at that point. That means there's still some humanity left in me. Um, but I, I, I've had one, and I mean, it's it's something. It's something. And yeah, that, that famous bowl is a fucking perfect pull-in to KFC late at night, drunk off your ass. Not you pull-in. Who, you know, have your, your sober driver take you around. Nice save. Um, or, <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, pull in over there. I, I, I do. Hey, for the record, I have a. Uh, I, I don't. I don't drive after a single after one drink. I no longer drive. Um, just so it's known. Um, but no, just to you know, pull in. That's great, fucking drunk food. Um, that's you know, and I've encountered this in my my dating life also. There's a lot of things I'll fucking do drunk, but I won't do them sober. And I, I think the famous bowl might be one of them. Uh, so I I do not have a KFC near me. Uh, that doesn't mean I've never been to KFC. I have clearly been to KFC before. I am a big fan of their pot pies. Uh, but I, I mm, here's a mm. Jeremy P. Fun fact. I hate everything uh, corn-related that is not fresh on the cob corn. So if you're going to tell me that it has bits of, like, I'm sure it's canned corn or frozen corn in there, huge thumbs down. Not going to eat it. I hate I hate all corn that doesn't come directly off the cob or is hot popped. What about corn? What about cream? What about cream corn? Hell no! You take that away from me. Not oh, doing shit. it. Don't like canned you corn. You, cream you think corn. You think you know, guy? Frozen corn. Frozen corn's arguably acceptable depending on what you're going to do with it, but generally no. I'm not a. I, I do not like corn, especially like at a restaurant or at a cafeteria. It's going to be disgustingly sweet. I'm not a fan, so I would not try that. However. A similar item that I, I do believe I care a lot for in the same way you care about the 
KFC Famous Bowl. And this is regional, but Wawa gas stations that also have, you know, the, the food sections in them. During the kind of fall into Christmas time, they have bowls as well. And you can get their chicken, which is okay, covered in gravy. And underneath it, you can make a decision of what you want, and they have stuffing. Now, stuffing trumps every other side. It stumps mashed potatoes. It stumps corn by far. Anything else you can put under under chicken and gravy. So if I can get a big-ass bowl full of stuffing, and then they cover it with chicken pieces and gravy, I will get that every single day. And there was a Wawa on my way home from work at my last job. So for the entire month of November and December, I guarantee you I did as well. And it was wonderful, and it's great car food, <laughs> despite the year a guy driving on the interstate eating <laughs> a bowl of stuffing. It's still well worth it. I I actually like KFC a good deal, and uh, but I'm like you. I don't really have one that's that's too near me. We have a lot of churches chicken uh, here, and I don't like churches chicken at all. But oh. I, I am a good. I, I like KFC. Like I I like theirs. I I may be the only person on earth that really likes their their terrible wings. Uh, I can probably sit there and eat about twenty of those things. But oh for the God. most part, I yeah I know they're basically all just crust. But I. They're fine. I like them, but I, I've never been that big of a fan of, of the famous bowl. Uh, I've just—it's just kind of a weird concoction of, of just a bunch of mess that they throw in there. And I guess you know, for each their own. I, I had an ex once that that did actually really love that as a as a hangover thing. I think it was mostly just the mashed potatoes, but um, I, I don't know. I've just never really looked at that and been like, yeah, that sounds good right now. I put gravy all over that corn and shit, you know. I, I think that I, what Billy said goes a long way. It's either you like food that, like, touches everything. You're, the, you're one of those people that whenever they get their food at the Thanksgiving table, you just, like, just shove everything on the fork and eat it like a, a weird caveman. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you like eating everything on its own. So you're, you're either that person or you're not. I'm generally not that person. The only thing that I will really kind of combine together is maybe like corn and macaroni and cheese, and that is that is not part of the the KFC famous bowls though. Oh I, man, macaroni usually... and cheese you can mix with anything, any possible yeah, food item you want. Much. You can mix with mac and cheese, and it becomes instantly better. Yeah, we have a cafeteria here that's actually pretty famous outside of Indianapolis called Gray Brothers Cafeteria, and uh, they do probably the best mashed potatoes and gravy and. Uh, macaroni and cheese I've ever had. And it's almost impossible for me not to just, like, combine those things constantly because I just... They're both fine by themselves, but you just combine those, and it's perfect. It's one of the best things I've ever had. So I get it. I do. But KFC Famous Bowls just... that That is... It's not appetizing to me, I guess. So the rest of KFC, though, I'll I'll get a big-ass bucket all day and eat that until i'm really sorry about that I, that i did that so um yeah i don't know uh but yeah i think that's gonna do it for questions guys i uh if you got anything else you want to send uh video game related or, or fast food related to really piss off everybody that hates these questions uh feel free to send it in we will actually read them you know as long as they're not too stupid head over to retrovania.net scroll all the way down uh on the way down you can actually look at our face shots or headshots and decide for yourself selves if we are just behemoths underneath those, those headshots or not. Uh, and then below that, we've got a, a contact form. Fill that out. Put your weird-ass question in there. Send it away. 
and we'll probably read it on here. So uh, yeah, thanks for everybody that that wrote in this time. Uh, we will be back. The we will be back next time with a whole new set of this this these wonderful questions. And unless something changes, it will be another regular show, not a patron requested show, uh, because I think other than the two patrons who I have called out several times for not sending us their requests, we are almost caught up with our our patron requests. So if you do want your game covered, go ahead on over to Patreon to. Go on over to RetroVay.net and go down to that Patreon button. Check out what else we have to offer. A lot of bonus shows. We're at over 50 bonus shows you get immediate access to when you join the Patreon. And for a little more, you can force us to cover your game. But otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new show on something that I don't know. And we'll see you then.